Alright peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be attacking Golden Bell Training clickbaity vids. Lots of gems, lots of Bolo Young punching Bruce Lee, lots of, did you know, Steven Seagal had that CGI up on his hairline up and above the law. Let's get to it. <laughs> Every day, I practice martial arts. Yo, Trey, how you doing, man? I'm schooling it, Sifu. We're coming in with that hot Saturday Ooh, energy, right? Man. Ooh, they close man, the streets. They close the streets in front of the school for God knows what reason. We're trying to get here for an hour. I know it took us an extra half hour to from get here. Right down yeah, on the from corner, right downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love New York traffic, especially Jeez. cross town traffic. No traffic. What about your boy though on the taxi? Oh, driving man. tags, trying to make a like a secret turn. Yeah, I think in front uh, of the cop. For people who've never been to New York, oh, it's so they good. would have really enjoyed. We had a very New York moment <laughs> yes. right before we got oh, into yes. uh, City Wing Chun this morning. The street and, they, and yeah, they they blocked off. This part of Sixth Avenue, for whatever reason, maybe a street fair or something it's, like that. It's um, actually uh, it's marathon weekend, so it's the half marathon today and the full marathon tomorrow. Oh, awesome! Ooh, great. Damn. Thanks, marathon people. Yeah, yeah. adding half an hour to my commute, and I can't park where I normally park. Thanks, mm -hmm. so you can run. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jesus, lame. There you go. Keep keep destroying your hips and ankles. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I can't park. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, there was a there was a taxi <laughs> that wanted to cut on this section of 6th Avenue but it's closed yeah. and there was the you know the parking cop and he was like hey, hey where do you think you're going where? and the guy's like pointing he's like, no. he's like I don't care what you're pointing at <laughs> you're not driving through there but like, it was so great he's like I don't care what you're pointing at it's a great New York moment like, so come on man let me, let me drive in before we get started mm -hmm. I just want to remind people that the best way to support the Kung Fu Genius podcast is on Patreon yeah patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genius for as Kung little as five dollars a month you can get access to episodes early and a bunch of other goodies that we put on there as well and for higher levels of support there's all sorts of other cool things you get like a private episode with the KFG uh, as well as other cool translations and things like that. So uh, patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genius. Yeah. So, Dre, I have an idea today. Mm. Um, What's this idea, Sifu? So, you're like the, a mad scientist. Yeah. When it comes to like. When it comes to something. Yeah. Not this podcast. No. I haven't spent <laughs> enough time thinking about this podcast. Uh, when it comes to my Wing yeah. Chun training, yes. All right. okay. if, I, if I put as, that much effort into this podcast, I think we'd right, be quite right, right. You know what's interesting? I, I, I mentioned a mad scientist. Do you know who the mad scientist is, Mikey Dean? Well, I know of a mad you scientist. Know of who? Who's this? Well, mad, well see, a, a mad scientist. Oh, no, sorry. I'm thinking of the mad professor. The, oh, well, yeah, the it's interesting you say that because on the way here, we were listening to The Large Professor. Oh. And I was working a party last night where he DJed. Oh, really? You know, he was a special guest DJ, Large Professor, yeah. Extra P, The Mad Scientist was pretty awesome. And what's cool about The Mad Scientist is he debuted Nas uh, yes, on, of his, course. on one of his singles, which yeah, was really I cool. Recognized the name. And uh, Sifu and I were listening to that on the way here. And what do you think about that? that can that can verse? I talk about kung fu on my podcast? Of, of course. Can I get course. my podcast back? <laughs> so we're not doing the hip hop episode then? No. All right. I thought that was the idea. Not. A, what, what are you even talking about? <laughs> I thought you had an idea to do the hip hop on the podcast. I was about today. to talk about what my idea was. Yeah. So I thought that was can it. ramble on to our uninterested listeners about what we listen to on the way over here. 
Well, maybe they should be interested. That's maybe good they hip-hop. are interested in what we listen to on the way here. You know, the funny thing is I can name at least two or three of our listeners that love drum and bass. Oh. Is that many? No, there's not that many people like drum and bass who can like that. So it's just dog shit. It's, it's like you, you you take a you take a, a, like an aging monkey in a zoo and put him in front of a synthesizer and like go make music and wow, you just let him do something started. for five seconds and then you just loop that five seconds yeah. for, for eighty gonna minutes. Hate, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's too close oh, to home because yeah. it's accurate. How right. how, oh snap! How does that? No, I have no idea what that is. Is that drum and bass? That is not drum and bass. First of all, no, that's like more house. Because it's like one, you're doing it like 126, 127 BPM. Drum and bass is right, guys, around I'm, I'm going to check out here. I'm just going to leave it to these two guys right here. That's drum and bass. All right. No, it's not. The KMG on the How long can you go? On, the, on the drum and bass hour here, all right? So, <laughs> please, I don't want to spend so much time talking about ridiculously awful music, all right? How I would I would much rather discuss Did, the, the, to the total the dis- drum and bass? discography of Debbie Gibson than, didn't than you do used this to train year. to drum and bass for no, like a no, year? No, that was, was techno. techno. That's techno. Oh, there's a difference? Yeah, you think all electronic music's the same. It's just mostly the same. How um, dare you. So anyway, uh, I had an idea, mm-hmm. all right, because, you know, we have, this is a podcast about discussion. And, of you know, when, when you look on YouTube about, like, the, you know, or you look at the different YouTubers or podcasters that talk about Bruce, there's really not a lot of, man. there's not a lot of Bruce Lee podcasts. There's a lot of YouTubers that talk about it, and they basically, they make clickbait. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys are absolutely full of shit. The Beardies, the Bruce Lee Real Fight channels. Oh, and some bendito. of them and some of them are, you know, they they, tr- they try to give good information like Golden Bell they training, right? Sh- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But Golden, Golden Bell, Bell training. Knows some shit. Even though he knows some shit, yeah. he's still a bit of a master of the clickbait. He's, like he's, he's a, a master of the clickbait uh, thumbnail yeah. <laughs> and uh, and title. <laughs> yes. And uh, but uh, you're kind of you're kind of good at the, well. The, sometimes the I'll have a good. Sometimes I'll have a good like clickbaity yeah. thumbnail, mm-hmm. and and other times I just I, I make those thumbnails in about five minutes. When so, I upload the episode, I go, oh damn, I got to make a thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Oh, I listen to your intro. What did we talk about? And then I just <laughs> guess because sometimes. What you say in the intro to the episode isn't even like the main thing we really discussed. Right. So some of the thumbnails are totally off yes. because it's like I just listen to the intro. I'm like, oh, OK, we talked about Bruce Lee socks in this episode. So, you know, a photo of Bruce Lee and a photo of socks not, and me going ah, like this. Not you know, Ernie screaming. socks. Not Ernie socks. No, all no. right. Uh, so anyway, um, I thought, you know, I don't I, I don't watch that much YouTube as I've discussed many times like. Although uh, I follow Golden Bell on Instagram, like, you know, he's he's cool dude uh, yeah. and he's been supportive in the you past. You met him? No, he lives in Thailand. Oh, um, but shit, I, I, man. I, I watch one of his videos. Shout out to I like, man, well, watch Golden one Bell. of his beardy videos and that's it. And it's not because I don't like his stuff. I just don't have time. Yeah. I'm just like between teaching and everything. I just don't have time to watch or consume that much YouTube. But I'm like, you know, now we're starting to you should. You should we're starting to amass a large library of podcasts oh, getting yeah. into soon what will be our third year. Ooh. And our uh, uh, finishing our third year, I should say. Wow. And um, so I want to like start cutting out some of the choice clips from all, you know, this massive library we have. And because we do talk about a lot of like really interesting stories, some rich stuff, and just put some clickbaity title and clickbaity thumbnail, and yeah. I think that's what's going to help this 
channel grow because people don't want to sit and listen to an hour and a half, hour, 20 minute discussion. They want, tell me everything in six minutes about how Bruce Lee met Bolo. All right. And you yeah. watch those videos and you find out like most of them are total bullshit. Okay. I'm not talking about the golden bells particularly, but sometimes I'll go by and I'll see like, you know, Bruce Lee and Starlet, you know, and it'll be like him in, in Nora Mao, right? And that'll be on the, the thumbnail. Uh-huh. And then you click on it, it's like an AI generated voice. It's not even like a person who narrated it. Uh-huh. And it's just a medley of photos of the two of them together. The fucking video has three and a half million views. And here Damn. I am, busting my ass, reading books and meeting people who knew Bruce Lee so I can have some intelligent discussion about Bruce Lee. And it's like, dude, that episode killed. We got yeah. two and a half thousand views. You oh, know what I mean, man. right? Oh, and man. It's the format. You have yeah. to, like, talk. Some, so, so Golden Bell has got that down. All right. Mm-hmm. So what I decided to do is this. Okay. We're going to go to Golden Bell's YouTube channel. His That's page. Up. Okay. And I want you to just read me the titles of his videos. Now, mind you, with okay. the exception of a Beardy video a, a bit back, I've not actually watched any of Golden Bell's videos, right? I'm going to, without doing any research or prep, uh, discuss whether I think the thing is total full clickbait, like it, it's a fabric, like it's a fabricated story, All right. or if I do know something about it. Mm. And then what I want is I want our vo- audience, okay. right, both YouTube and on Patreon, to vote as to which ones I should make a legit video about. Because mm. I'm going to make a mm. couple direct topic videos, shorter ones. But I want it to be like the stuff that people want to know. All right. So I'm going to discuss all the clickbaity videos that he's got. And if we run out, we can go to Bruce Lee Real Fight. Okay. And I'll say what I know without doing any research, right? And mm. then our audience can decide. So I get to pick the clickbaity uh, Well, you video. should just go through all of them. Oh, shit. And oh, I'll one s- by one? Yeah, I'll say if I know anything. One by or, one, two by two, three by I'll three. S- or I'll say pass, all right? Ah. Okay, so here, pass here, that here we start, all right? Okay. There you go. So let's start from the top. We're in Golden <laughs> Bell's page right now. We'll do it like a lightning round, <laughs> and then is, we can have a vote. This is rich. I love all this. All right, let's go, let's go. This first one you're going to love. Of course. So many people are confused about basics in Wing Chun Chi Sao. Some view it as a collection of moves, and masters confuse their own students by talking of principles and concepts without telling them what's what. The 15 Chi Sao Fundamentals is my attempt at explaining Wing Chun Chi Sao from a perspective of principles, but also with the basic techniques required to express those principles. It shows the framework for Hong Kong Wing Chun Chi Sao, in particular, the training of Pun Sao and Lap Da. This is necessary training before going on to the higher and more spontaneous expression of Cheese Out. Right now, if you use the code KFG Cheese Out, you can get a signed copy of my book for the price of the unsigned one. Click on the link in the description below and use the code KFG Cheese Out at checkout to get a signed copy of this full color, over 230 page manual on the vital foundational training exercise of Wing Chun. This offer is good while supplies last, so get yours today. All right, so the first, first one is Shannon Lee brings Bruce Lee back to life with new biopic. Oh, okay. So I assume they're talking about that new Ang Lee film. Uh-huh. Uh Bruce Lee does not need to be brought back to life because Shannon we, Lee we're, looks kind but, of but you but look but you hear in his photo. But, but do you hear? Yeah, there's old photos of her around. Do 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 uh nah, doesn't look old fo- at all. photoshopped photos, I should say. <laughs> uh, but do you hear that how the title sounds so great? Like he's oh, really yeah. good. Like that no, is a, he's a that's the kind of video where people are like, Oh yeah, I gotta yeah. go see that, especially casuals. All oh, right. Because yeah. anyone who is actually into the Bruce Lee world, the moment they see Shannon Lee, they're like, ignore. Like she doesn't know anything. She doesn't know anything about her father, and she's been she sells Damn. Bruce tea and 
Bruce Lee flip-flops Damn. and B-Water uh, tabby socks and stuff under her dad's name, right? You know, and I have a pair of Bruce Lee flip-flops. That's not, that's not cool. It doesn't surprise me. I had a cup of Bruce tea for breakfast. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. There has to be some kind of Bruce Lee cereal, too. I cooked some curry last night and some Bruce Ghee. Okay. Yo, I'm done. So anyway, I'm uh, done. I assume... I mean, look, it's a, it's a great title, but... Um, I'm, I assume they're talking about the new Ang Lee movie, which okay. I have absolutely no. Is the biopic? Then yeah, that that biopic. And yeah. uh, if, Sh- them biopics, if man. Shannon signs off on it, then you should run screaming. <laughs> when, when, whenever someone decides to do a project about Bruce Lee, and you hear that the estate wants to sue them, that's the project you want to watch. Oh, okay. Word. Uh, if the estate, that's how. If the estate does you know. something, all right, that's one you can forget. All oh. right. All right. What, what's the next one? The next one is, what really happens when Bruce Lee fought a Goju Ryu master? Goju Ryu. Yeah, same difference. Same difference. Potato. Uh-huh. So do you know know Goju loosely translated? Simply translated means Mm -hmm. uh, hard and soft or rigid and flexible. Ooh. Goju. And that Jew, the flexible part, that's the same Jew as in judo and jujitsu. God. So goju. Jew. Jew meaning like uh, flexible or soft or something like that, right? In mm-hmm. Chinese at least. How, how so do you, how's coming. it sound? Phonetic? So go go. go uh, well, I, I don't speak Japanese, so I, I, oh, can't, okay. I can't say the, 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 the no, correct pronunciation, but okay. those two characters in Japanese, God. It's, it's gong and yao in Cantonese. Gong yao, which gong is like uh, stiff or rigid. Mm-hmm. Yao is flexible, like yao like flexible yeah. power, right? And same thing like judo. It's the same ju- and, and jujitsu. That's why it, it, it confuses people because jujitsu is often spelled J-I-U mm. and judo is just J-U, but it's actually the same character. So Interesting. The, the, the Jew of jujitsu and the Jew of judo is actually the same one. So technically there should be no difference in spelling. The Valenti brothers who are uh, uh, students of the late Helio Gracie, they spell it J-U, Jitsu, just to kind of keep in line with that there. Gotcha. Right? Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about Bruce Lee fighting a Goju Ryu practitioner. Hmm. Um, I mean, of course, these things often get a little blown out of proportion. Bruce Lee visited a tournament, and there was a Goju Ryu practitioner, and you know, Bruce and Lee did his, ass. and you know, Bruce Lee did his speed test yeah. or something like that, right? And then you know, flash forward fifty years later, and uh, it was a, it was a I fight, Bruce Lee. or it was a challenge or something like that, right? So I would have to watch that video uh, to see uh-huh. if he if the story has if the story has any teeth. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, Bruce Lee fighting a Goju Ryu practitioner or whatever. This is not like something that offhandedly all the. Fans of Bruce Lee would know. I mean, I just read. Um, I know. John I was going to ask book. you about that. Is it um, in his book? Well, it, it could be. I mean, I, I actually read the book very early on because I was one of the first proofers of the book. Mm-hmm. So I would have to revisit it. But no, nothing like sticks out in mind. Like, oh yeah, the famous Goju fight. Right. <laughs> All right. What's the next one? Next one you got. Mason Lee trained five years to play Bruce Lee in new movie. Yes, that is the son of Ang Lee who's going to be playing Bruce Lee. First of all, he doesn't look anything like Bruce Lee, what? which means he's he going looks to more have like to, Mikey Lee D. Yes, uh, which means he's going to have to do. You know, he's not going to like try to do a Bruce Lee imitation. He's going to try to invoke the spirit of Bruce Lee on the screen, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And I'm sure his five years of training put him on par with the actual Bruce Lee. Okay. I'm sure you'll be able to after his five years of 
training with some Hollywood kung fu trainer. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that uh, Mason Lee he, looks uh, exactly like Bruce is Lee. Is he related to uh, the Lee family? He's related to his father, Ang Lee. Ang Lee. Who's the director not, of the film. But not related to Bruce Lee. Ain't that something? Well... Have you been drinking? Yeah. I'm drinking this caffeine. Oh, no, that you are you are you are festive this morning. Festive. I yes. love that word. Yeah, he is a, just, 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 just just so you know, Mikey. I got a uh, because uh, you know right now he, he he lives very close to me, right? Stop. Stop. And so he sent me a text at like 3:30 in the morning. Oh. He's like he's like, "Oh, let me know if you're driving into the school today. I want to come in with you, right?" And then I'm like, but he, he arrived at 3.30, and we had to get here kind of early today. So then I, I called him, and he was like, ugh. I didn't fall asleep until 5.30. But, but it's funny that you mention that, Mikey, mm -hmm. because I was thinking about that on the way into the school today. <laughs> All right? So I, I picked up Dre, and I'm like, this dude no. worked late last night and no. got in super, super late, sleeps for like a An couple hour. hours. Mm-hmm. And then I come and pick him up, and he's in my car, <laughs> and he's like, yo, Sibu, you got to listen to this, like, you know, large professor. Yeah. And he's going in there, and he has all the energy of, no. like, a, of like, a toddler boy. No, man. Yeah. And, and, and he's, like, That's on it, happened. like, That's and, and he's, like, funny and making jokes and stuff. And That's I'd be like, I happened. would be so useless not what if, if, if I was in his situation, right? And we're stuck in traffic here because of this stupid thing. Shut down. He's not even mildly annoyed. He's like, oh, yeah, yo, just, yeah. And he's like telling me about all this stuff. And I'm, I'm sitting there, the car's not moving. And I'm like, we got to record a podcast. And he's like, yo, man, dude, and this is Nas the first time. This is the first time you ever hear Nas. Wow. And he's got all that energy and enthusiasm. And he's got like an hour of sleep. I think it was Lodge Professor that, that did it last night. You know yes. what I'm saying? All right. Yeah, so what's yeah, okay. the uh, what's the next video? So next, yeah. Um, so Mason Lee, I think after five years of training, will look exactly like Bruce Lee. You, you'd be uh, it'd be impossible to tell the difference between. He the looked two. less less like Sarah Lee, more like Bruce. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say, Dre, can you also keep the iPad down on your knees? Because every time you put it onto that, I get a pop in the microphone. Oh fuckery. Okay, go ahead. Jesus, he's losing it. He's losing it. Before we recorded today, he was like, he was having weird conversations with himself. All right, okay. Oh, you know, oh, you know what it is. It's not that he's like that way. It's like he's so tired, he's in that delusional phase where he's seeing shit. Delirium. Delirium, yes. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that's what is going on. Yeah, I think, I think so, too. <laughs> Thanks for that update. Let's Great. sleep. All right, uh, that's next, what it's next about video. From now on. Next video. All right, are we ready? What really happened? Let me get the let me get the thing over here. What really happened when a store clerk annoyed Bruce Lee? This is starting to sound like are they like I like I like my boy Golden Bell's all cool and stuff, but yeah. this, this sounds is a little this, bit like a beardy video. It title, might be right. It um, might have now, uh, mind you, I haven't seen this video, so uh -huh. you know the thing with clickbait. It's got a title like that. <laughs> this is the one time like this is store clerk annoyed Bruce Lee, and then you watch the video, and then like and Bruce Lee said, "Keep it up, son." And gave him a tip and walked out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, and then you watch the video, chill. and it's like you know, right. like it's a big nothing burger, right? Mm -hmm. So, again, as someone who's been around the block with like you know Bruce Lee stuff or whatever, nothing pops to mind. I mean. 
I would have to like look to see if there was a story there. But one thing that annoys me, and I don't know if it's the case here, because again, I haven't seen the video, so it's yeah. a little unfair to critique it. But Beardy has this problem, mm. is that uh, there's always like, uh, you know, this guy got in Bruce Lee's face and then this happens. You know, it's always like a, like a video like that, right? And with, with Beardy, he, he paints Bruce Lee as this like hothead. And not that Bruce Lee wasn't a hothead in certain instances, mm -hmm. who was like literally getting in fist fights the moment he Every walks out second. his door for like, yeah. the mailman looks at him uh -huh. funny and he's punching the mailman, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's like, if you spend any time talking to people who knew Bruce Lee, like if Steve Golden or Dan Inosanto mm -hmm. or James DeMille, any of these guys, you, you get an impression about what he's like, but he's not walking around punching people in the face for imaginary slights. This store clerk, you know, right. was rude to him. So what, does he round kick him and knock him out in the store, right? Uh, if the story Too is not much. a big nothing burger. Uh-huh. Like where it's like, you know, some anecdote about someone annoying Bruce Lee and then it ended up being nothing, right? And he's just trying to pump it up in the uh, title. Uh, if, it, if it's not a big nothing burger story, I would mm -hmm. say it's probably just made up. I love store clerks. Yeah. Store clerks. Yeah. Stork? Store clerks. Stork lurks. Right. Next one. Next up, we got Bruce Lee never wanted, never is in capitals, by the Of way. course. Bruce Lee never wanted anyone to see this real fight. Okay. So, so off the top of my head. This the, footage? Uh, no. Well, the first thing that comes up to the top of my head is the movie Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Oh. Where the, uh, the brother of uh, Johnny Sins or Johnny, what, what, what is the name of the guy that he beats up? Johnny's son. All right. Johnny Moe, played by John Chang, right? Yeah. You know, he, he, he beats him up. After, of course, first... You know, he gets his back broken walking uh -huh. away, right? In the uh, in the sacred underground catacombs of oh, San Francisco Chinatown. Poor guy. Then uh, then he beats him at the Ed Parker tournament, mm -hmm. and then his brother comes to challenge him on the set of Big Boss. And then uh, after Bruce Lee, you know, beats the shit out of this guy, then he they, they film the whole thing, and then he takes the reel out. Right. So that that's a fabricated story from uh. Dragon the Bruce Lee story, right? But that's the first thing that comes to mind when okay. when I hear this. Now, what I what I do know is that there have actually been a couple instances where Bruce Lee had had a scrap with someone, uh, especially right. in the times when Bruce Lee started to become a little more famous. Let's say in the time in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. where he didn't want the other actor to lose face having lost or performed poorly in an exchange with Bruce Lee. Okay. So such was supposedly the case with the Lao Tai Chun fight. That after oh, Bruce yeah. had beaten Lao Tai Chun, uh, he told the people who were there not, not to really talk about it, not to make a big deal, supposedly maybe even threw a couple bucks Lao Tai Chun's way for some medical expenses or ointments or salves yeah. or whatever. Is this uh, the, uh, yes. the fight with the, that, that happened that <laughs> and your buddy... Uh, witnessed that he was telling you about it with his wife. Yes, and his yes, wife yes. Was so like, I told the story actually yeah. in Hong Kong on uh -huh. the trip. Uh, and I told the story in front of that guy's house. Uh, where he had told <laughs> me the story, right? Great. Um, I told this very early on in the podcast. So for yes. people who are uh, longtime fans, I apologize if I'm repeating myself. But yeah. Um, yeah, for the longest time, you know, this uh, story about Bruce Lee and Lao Tai Chun was like a big rabbit hole that I had gone down, right? Lao Tai Chun being a very low level 
you could not even call him a B-list actor. You had to call him like a C-list actor. He's trying to make a name for himself by challenging Bruce Lee in the press. Damn. Around the time, just shortly after Big Boss, Fist of Fury, around that time. Hmm. And he was supposedly a uh, boxing uh, champion, had some wrestling or whatever. It wasn't like a traditional kung fu guy. But was starting to make some movies. If you look at Lao Tai Chun's IMDb, it's like, I think he's got three credits. And I don't think any one of those credits, the character has a name. It's like thug number two, you know, it's like, the, 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 you know, the, the, the big boss's step nephew, you know what I mean? I would, I would kill I mean? to be thug number two. Yeah. Um, I would it, kill for that. So you know that his career didn't really take off when like he doesn't have a single credit where it, like his character yeah. had a name. Oh man. All right. Um, and so he was clearly trying to, you know, it was one of those things that he had everything to gain and Bruce Lee had everything to lose. If Bruce Lee beats the shit out of this guy, so what? You beat up a nobody, right? And Man. if Bruce loses to this guy, then it's like he lost to a nobody, right? And I think Bruce recognized this. He was a little bothered by the challenge, not because I think he felt any particular danger from Lao Tai Chun, but just because he could very clearly see that uh, Lao Tai Chun was... Uh, <laughs> do not open your OnlyFans shit while you're on the job here. Sorry. All right? Sometimes it just pops up. It just yeah. pops up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the name of the OnlyFans page that yeah. he's on, right? Pops Sometimes up. Sometimes it just pops up. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so, so anyway, you know... The, Love OnlyFans. Bruce, I think, knew that Lao Tai Chi was just trying to make a name for himself, and I think it bothered mm. him a little bit. But then the story was, did they actually fight or not? Um, there's, you know, the story that they were in a restaurant, and Lam Cheng Ying, mm -hmm. uh, famous from Prodigal Son, who was in Bruce Lee's entourage, was... Uh, was there and saw Lao Tai Chi yeah, and at that time tight. was really tight. You know, it was like, yeah, you're not, you know, yeah. you're not effing qualified to challenge my seafood. Hey, right? If you want to fight, I'll yeah. take you on, right? That's that kind some of shit thing. I'll right? do. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't let anybody challenge you. Yeah, right? it's always yeah. The, the yeah. It's like yeah. Lam Cheng Ying was don't, like, don't, dude, you're not even no. qualified to you're, touch you're, my no. seafood, right? Because he uh, referred to Bruce Lee, although he was not learning Jeet Kune Do, but Lam Cheng Ying referred to Bruce Lee as Sifu. Mm -hmm. That's how much he respected, not even older brother, which would have been understood. He literally called him Sifu, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, then supposedly a, f a fight happened. And there are a couple conflicting accounts of what happened between Bruce Lee and Lao Tai Jin, um, but all of them indicate if something had happened. Mm -hmm. It was a very brief thing. So okay. there's one, uh, one story uh, is that they were at some kind of party. You know, uh, imagine, you know, at that time, Bruce Lee's a movie star. They're industry parties at those Chinese banquet places. He, he didn't go and, to too many parties, right? No, he, he, no, he went to some of those. He doesn't seem he, like the type. No, there are a lot of photos of Bruce, like, showing up at these things. But he probably would just show up and then he wouldn't yeah. be there for too long. Bounce. Um, you In know, it's, it's it's networking, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so he was there. So so supposedly there was some industry party or something like that. There were a bunch of movie people there and Lao Tai Jun was there. And then, mm -hmm. and then some words were had and they went out into the hall and there was a quick exchange. Right. So that's kind of story A. I, I think that story is quite plausible mm -hmm. because of the um, I have I have two audio recordings from two people whom I can't really say who they are. Mm. Uh, I could say one, I suppose. Uh, um, it's Lam Ching Ying himself. Oh. An audio recording of Lam Ching Ying in okay. Cantonese hmm. uh, saying that uh, the, the fight had happened in, in the way I just described. In like a hallway. In like a hallway okay. at a, at a uh, or outside a, a, a banquet hall at mm -hmm. a Chinese restaurant, right? Not All sure right. where. Kowloon or New Territories or mm, whatever. Okay. Uh, so there's that story. I have a tendency to think Lam Ching Ying 
who always kept a very low profile um, wouldn't really have any reason to fabricate that story. However, the other really plausible story, or the other story, I should say, which I also have evidence, studying history is not about, especially when you have such scanty evidence. Yeah. You can't say, okay, this is what happened. You can't do the, like, the dishonest thing that Sergio does with Wing Chun history and say, because some Chinese people told me this, and it falls in line with what I like. Therefore, this is the history. And that's confirmation bias. That's all sorts of fallacies in terms of historical it's, it's method, history, right? history because I like it. Yes. Yeah. It, it also happens to support and prop up the, the specific lineage that you teach as being the most uh. authentic. Then you have a tendency to have to kind of wonder. Because it's one thing if you say, here's an old, and just to diverge a little bit to the kind of dishonesty of, of Sergio's historical methods. <laughs> it's one thing if you say, here's a, his, here's a, um, a rare style of Wing Chun. Uh, that uh, I have this and this evidence to suggest it is like it predates the Yip Man style or predates the Leung John style, and these are the characteristics. Um, but there always seems to be this kind of tacit understanding that it's also therefore more authentic because it's older or it wasn't mixed with something like this. And then comes the real, you know, the 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 the, the real zinger. Oh, it's also the style that we teach. <laughs> you see what I mean? No one has ever said, here's a very ancient style of Wing Chun, very authentic. I've learned it. It predates Yip Man and Leung Chun and all that. It totally sucks, by the way, mm. but I learned it. No, it's no always like, no, that. this is more traditional. And then the idea that something being more traditional somehow bestows it with things that you know, make it better for fighting, right? If You only get better at fighting if you practice and you spar and you integrate uh, the types of attacks and movements that the other people are using, right? No one is attacking you in Shizou. No one is attacking you in Wing Chun. If you're yeah. not teaching your students how to fight against these other types of attacks, <clears throat> then you're not really preparing them. And in the Qing Dynasty, I don't care how good someone's Fat Gang was and how good someone's <laughs> connection with the ground was, they never dealt with someone who was an expert in Western boxing who could do a quick double jab, fake, go down, put you into a double leg takedown, and then turn you into a pretzel on the floor. They yeah. never face someone with that skill set. So this idea that because something is older or more authentic, maybe there's some ideas in there that um, went missing. But mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that that style as is is more prepared to fight against a modern fighter than, than anything else. And that, that's the other fallacy that gets smuggled in with this word authentic, right? Okay. And so... To come back to the point here, when you're talking about history, especially something like Chinese Kung Fu history, which is a flaming dumpster fire of stories and hearsay, and I believe it because I like it, I believe it because I like that Sifu, I have a good rapport with him, and I believe because they speak well yeah. that they must know something about history that I don't, and therefore I follow what they say. This, this is not how any real history is written. Man. All right. Uh, you, you cannot begin with the with the uh, conclusion in mind. All right. I'm going to search out why my style is the most authentic. You're already beginning with the conclusion in mind. You're only going to look for facts that are going to support your hypothesis and you're going to ignore the ones that go against it. Damn. And that's not how history is done. Damn, history homie. is done in probabilities. OK, you have to match all the information we know mm -hmm. versus what we don't know versus the probabilities that these kind of things happened, you know, and you can only say with a certain degree of uh, certainty, which is usually very low, this 
this is the probability of this story happening. When it comes to the, like the Lao Tai Jun fighting Bruce Lee at a, uh, you know, outside of a banquet hall, I would give <laughs> this probable. Yeah, but but maybe twenty five percent. Okay. Okay. We're not talking like seventy percent, just because it, it, because we still don't know. Hmm. All right. And then the second story, which is about maybe perhaps a little less, maybe twenty, maybe fifteen percent, is that they fought at um, Tang Sang's home. Uh, the home of the uh, famous Wing Chun police detective. Mm-hmm. In the backyard, there was supposedly a boxing ring back there uh, where <clears throat> there was a time period after they had lost, the Wing Chun fighters had lost very poorly in Singapore. Um, <clears throat> they, there was a, you know, full contact fighting was not allowed in Hong Kong until the 70s. In the 1960s, they didn't allow it <clears throat> because there were still some uh, feelings that uh, Chinese martial arts, when assembled, had something to do with organized crime and triads and stuff like that. Yeah. So it wasn't really until the late 60s, early 70s, that these attitudes in Hong Kong started, to, these attitudes against Chinese martial arts started to change. Um, and then uh, about, by the 1970s, you started to have um, fighting contests, and eventually full contact in Hong Kong. But before you didn't have that, the, the first full contact kind of uh, for Chinese martial arts that, uh, that I know of um, that the, the Wing Chun people participated in en masse was this one in Singapore in the late 60s. Of course, I'm not talking about Wong Xiaolong going to Taiwan in the 50s. That's something okay. else. I'm talking about like this is the first kind of big thing in Asia was this big Singaporean tournament. Uh-huh. And uh, they had really weird rules and they basically fought using um, and I'm not making uh, excuses for the Wing Chun people. It's just that they, they fought basically, you ever see those kendo helmets? Yeah. Like for the, the, the sword practice oh, with the yeah. shenais, with the bamboo shenais? They, they fought in those. So they had those kind of like slotted helmets with the big shoulder pads <laughs> and these huge chest, these like bamboo chest protectors uh-huh. and these big gloves. And so the Jeez. problem was the, the Wing Chun fighters didn't train in that equipment. And then so when they went to Singapore, they had to gear up uh-huh. with twice the amount of equipment of an American football player. Right. And they just were not able to do it. You know, what, uh, what, what people don't, uh, especially in, in our art, because we, we generally don't train people for full contact fighting. But one of the things you have to do if you're training for a certain type of fighting term, let's say you're doing full, let's say you're a Wing Chun fighter that also wants to dabble in uh, kickboxing. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, then you need to spar in the equipment that you're going to fight in. Because if you don't, you're not going to be used to, like, what is it like to do Wing Chun footwork with uh, shin and instep guards on or knee pads mm-hmm. or elbow pads and, and these gloves and a helmet, right, with a mouthpiece, which is going to restrict your breathing, right? So a big part of your training should also be training in the equipment that you're going to fight in as well as your sparring in the equipment that you're going to be fighting okay. in, right? And these Wing Chun guys went there and had no... <sighs> Suddenly had to suit up like uh, yeah. like they were doing kendo, and then they just they, they got trounced. <laughs> oh, and Yipman was not very happy, so uh, oh, he did he did a couple things to kind of uh, uh, deal with this problem. Uh, one, he decided to lower the tuition fees at the Wing Chun Athletic Association in the late '60s, so as to uh, bring in more youngsters. Uh, because the idea is like, okay, well, if we're going to you know develop Wing Chun for uh, fighting in the ring, you need young guys. And the, uh, the fees apparently were a little, you know, more geared towards adults who could afford this art. So they mm. lowered the fees to see if they could get more young guys to come in and start learning Wing Chun at the Wing Chun Athletic Association. And yeah. that was actually when my late Seabach, Elman Leung, joined. 
Because oh. Elman Lang was like a teenager then. Okay. And he basically joined the Wing Chun Athletic Association in this time period where the fees were lowered because uh, Yip Man wanted to get more young blood there. Yeah. All right. Uh, and as a result, when Elman joined the Wing Chun Athletic Association, Yip Man was his sifu because mm-hmm. Yip Man was kind of, uh, I think for a few months, he was kind of in charge wanting to train people himself after this kind of embarrassing loss. Oh, and that's oh, when man. Elman Leung uh, uh, started learning. Dope. So he, he could always claim Yip Man was his actual sifu, right? Then wow. uh, uh, Elman Leung took a short break for uh, his studies, like a semester. And when he came back, um, Yip Man had brought Leung Ting over and basically mm. said, hey, hey, guys, this is the guy who's going to be teaching here for me at the Wing Chun Athletic Association now. And introduce everyone to Leung Ting. And then Yip Man just kind of peaced out and rode off into the sunset. <laughs> and then Elman Leung <laughs> followed Leung Ting since then. And, oh, you know, nice. Elman Leung respected Leung Ting so much that he called him uh, Sifu, right? But um, suppose, so that was the first thing Yip Man did to kind of rectify this humiliating loss like let's get some young blood in yeah. let's start training some you know new generation because you know, the old generation they're too old to fight uh and then the uh the other thing is tang sang with all of his wealth he had oh, a home yeah. in fan leng fan leng being the area where yip man's grave is he built supposedly built a boxing ring in his backyard and the boxing ring was so that the Wing Chun fighters could come up to Fanling, which yeah. was basically the countryside. Love so they it. could get out of the city, you know, out of Kowloon, out of Hong Kong Island side, go to the countryside of Hong Kong, especially in the set. Fanling is still, Fanling is, is, is crowded and packed now. But mm. in the 70s, mm. I mean, for Hong Kong standards, Fanling is not crowded and packed. But compared to the 70s. Fun Leng is now what Kowloon was like, you know what I mean? Um, But back then it was like Tang Tang had his home there because that was out in the countryside. No one would bother him, right? So he set up this boxing ring so the Wing Chun fighters could go there and train and get used to fighting in the ring Mm -hmm. and get used to fighting with the equipment on. So the second story about Bruce Lee and Lao Tai Chun is that Tang Tang brought Lao Tai Chun and Bruce Lee over to his place and they had a fight in that boxing ring. In that ring. Uh, That story has been told by a few different people. Okay. Um, People who are... Because one of the things you have to look at when you're trying to not confirm something, it's very difficult to confirm anything, but when you want to start to get probabilities in terms of stories is you have to look at independent sources for the same story. Because sometimes people are like, yeah, dude, these five different guys told me the same story. (laughs) And when you look, you realize those five different guys got the story from the same person. So you're not listening to five different accounts, like five independent accounts. You listen to five accounts that came from the same original account. Mm -hmm. So they're not unique. So what you really want to do when you're looking at things from a historical perspective is find out how many unique attestations to uh, an event can you get from different people who maybe didn't cross over. Yeah. All right, because then that gives you an idea because it's not like, yeah, this guy told, told that guy, mm-hmm. told that guy, told that guy, and they're all telling you the same story. These three guys don't know each other at all. But yeah, they or were, maybe, they were maybe, there. maybe they know each other, uh-huh. but the story is not coming from the same place. Okay. Okay? Uh, so that's what I tried to do with the Tang Sung story. I have the, the Tang Sung story with the... Um, with the boxing ring, I have from three different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, three, one, one person uh, who was reporting on something that was, uh, I believe, reported to Bolo. I don't know who that person is. The other okay. person was supposedly there, witnessed the fight. Uh-huh. And then uh, the other one uh, is uh, the president of the Hong Kong Chinese Martial Arts Association who um, 
heard the story from someone else who was there. Oh, all right? right, so that's the best I could get. Mm. But it's pretty strong that there was potentially a fight there in Fan Lang. Now, of in course, Lang. This, uh, at Tang Tang's place. Of course, when you really look into these stories in detail, what you find is that these are old stories. Uh, details are very fuzzy. And people who were there at the time maybe didn't even realize, like, hey, this is going to be a big deal in 50 years. Uh, I remember uh, one time I talked to uh, Wan Kam Leung, Sihu Wan Kam Leung. Very early on, I think it was maybe even the first time I met him, I asked him some questions about Tang Sang. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been to Tang Sang's home. And I was like, oh, really? Because I've been trying to find Tang Sang's home forever because I want to see if the boxing ring is still in the backyard. Doubt it. It's like 50 years later. Uh, But I want to find them because he had a very nice house there. But I I can't get an address for it. I've been looking at records, all sorts of stuff. And then one comes along and I'm like, oh, do you remember where his house was? Oh, no, no, I don't remember. You know what I mean? So so the problem is like, and then so what you realize is the story was so long ago Mm -hmm. that sometimes people blend aspects of the story. Yeah, blur the lines. So, for example, the the party for the film people could have been in Fan Lang. Mm -hmm. And the fight was in Fan Lang, but not at Tang Sang's home. And Tang Sang might have been at that party which could have been in the new territories, but the fight wasn't at his house, but that's how Tang Sang's name gets kicked in. Hmm, okay. Right? So, so, so the problem is it's very easy for, actually for a combination of both stories to be true because they're both fuzzy enough where they could just be very bad versions of the same story being told. <laughs> right. You understand? So that's yeah. what we mean by probabilities, mm-hmm. right? So when, when we're talking about these things, you have to deal in probabilities. Um, Liu Chi Kang uh, was the one who told me that story about, you know, that uh, I said, uh, you know, was it true that Bruce and, and Lao Tai Chun had a fight at Tang Sang's home? And he, he had had a stroke at that time. This was in 2014. So he couldn't really communicate very well, just like in simple things. His wife was there kind of translating for him. Yeah. And he said, yes. I said, oh, the fight did happen? He said, yes. I said, how do you know? And he was like, because I was there. Uh-huh. And then that's, you know, and then he said, <laughs> and, and then he was talking about it. And then his like wife turns to him and says, you told me you were going to play Mahjong on that day. Yo. Not go watch a fight. Uh. And mind you, that, that, that was like a, that was a massive, yeah. that was like a 50-year-old story then. <laughs> Okay, or a 40-something-year-old yeah. story then. He's getting his ass handed and to him. And never <laughs> underestimate the power of a Chinese wife to yeah. remember some shit you did 50 oh, yeah. freaking years ago and pull Love that it. thing up, right? And uh, And, <laughs> and it was just the look on his face was like, <laughs> didn't matter. There was no statute of limitations on that shit. You're still in trouble, sir. Yeah. Doesn't matter you had a stroke. That was where that was 40 years ago. The moment we leave, she's going to yell at you. Yeah. You said you were going to go play Mahjong, and you went to go watch Bruce Lee fight. Yeah. How dare you, right? How dare you? So, um, so that, is, uh, uh, that is how we kind of deal in these kind of mm-hmm. probabilities with these stories here. Yeah. So anyway, what's the next What's got, the next? got clip time be? for one more? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. We've got time for plenty more. There's only got 40, time for plenty more? So we're only 40 minutes in this podcast, oh, buddy. Okay. I thought we were almost done, yo. Yeah. Wishful thinking. You are really... He's what? working in time dilation. Well, I'm right. trying no, to read. I I'm bought that read. coffee, but did you sneak something that were you behind Jesus. the cut? Of course not. Yeah. Why would I? He's taking that limitless pill. <laughs> All right. Okay, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> NZT, baby. Ever wonder why Bolo Young punched Bruce Lee? No, no. I don't, because no one ever talks about that. What no. did he ask him to punch him? See, again, these are, these are always mm. these things. It's like these, these are like ultra anecdotal stories yeah. 
maybe Bolo told a story like, you know, Bruce asked him to punch him in his abs or something like right. that, right? Okay. But see, it's one of those things like, hey, check out my abs. And then, you know, he goes and he punches yeah. him. And then it becomes a title <laughs> like this, right? You, you know, I, of course, I don't know. I'll have yeah. to watch the video. Uh-huh. And I'll have to see if it was anything more than that. Um, okay. Uh, Michael so you Chan. never wondered. All right. I never wondered because it's not something anybody right. talks about. All right. But I love it. Like planting the seed in the audience yeah. and ever wonder? No, actually, I didn't ever wonder that. Why? Because I didn't know that until I read this title. That's the beauty. That shows he's you he's so a clickbait good. master. He's so good. All right. Tells you something you've never heard before and makes it seem like you should have heard it. Maybe you didn't. Yeah. Or maybe you just didn't know, but you did hear it. You got to love these masters of the baiting. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Man. So uh, I, I, I do know there's a story, uh, Michael Chan, who mm-hmm. you know is Chan Wai Man, oh. uh, said that he witnessed an arm yes. wrestling contest between Bruce Lee and Bolo, mm-hmm. and that uh, Bruce Lee uh, beat Bolo in an arm yeah. wrestling contest, That's so which wild. is crazy. Yeah. Uh, not uh, unbelievable, given a mm-hmm. um, uh, couple things. There's a difference between, you know, that kind of wiry, tensile strength that Bruce Lee had, that very mm-hmm. sinewy, tendon kind of strength. Versus like the raw muscle of Bolo, although Bolo had weight on Bruce. But the other thing is when you see um, Bolo in Enter the Dragon, right. one thing that's painfully obvious is he's uh, out of season in oh, terms yeah. of being a bodybuilder. Yeah. Because when you look at his uh, bodybuilding photos, most of which you can really only see his son post them, uh, David Young, mm-hmm. uh, Bolo Jr. on Instagram. His yeah. son will occasionally post like the competition photos of his father bodybuilding from that time. And when Bola was in season, he was just, he's just shredded. Just muscle on top of muscle, right? Yeah. But when you see him in Enter the Dragon, he's a little doughy. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's in my opinion, not like, he's yeah. probably not at his strongest anyway. <laughs> so, so, you know, a, a, like a, a very sinewy, wiry, strong, uh, High power to body weight proportions, coked out Bruce Lee could definitely <laughs> probably be Bolo in an arm wrestling contest. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Right. Or ask him to punch him in his abs, right? Oh, yeah. All right, what else we got? Next up, we got sketchy things about Steven Seagal that we all ignored. That is so funny. Okay, well, at what point did anyone ignore any sketchy things of <laughs> Steven Seagal? Yeah, exactly. I think Steven Seagal yeah. is the epitome of getting called out on every sketchy uh-huh. thing he's ever done. Okay. Because he, he he's at the point now where he, he doesn't care because he's like almost in that Trump phase yeah. where it's like he murdered a baby in front of people on TV. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll still vote that guy in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's like, what at this point could Steven Seagal do? Um, and, and, and anyone who's a hardcore fan of his would yeah. care about. And the other people kind of love to hate him. Like, there's mm. so many YouTube channels right now that, like, review all of those really shocky straight-to-video straight to movies that he made <laughs> kind of posts. Oh, yes. It post his oh, career man. kind of going offline a little bit. Yeah, when, once he was done in Hollywood in like the early to mid 2000s, and that was it. It was just, it's been all straight to video. Yeah. Man. Yeah. With his weird sewed in uh, uh, hairline. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, like, like it's like a rug. Is it so Lasered in? by Zeus himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I thought it was real. You thought that was real? Yeah. Did, did you ever notice that even in, like, Above the Law, his hair was thinning? <laughs> he had the ponytail, and the front of his hair was thinning. I thought that was fake. And CGI. now he has, like, a... He's got, like, the Dracula Widow's Peak. I thought that was CGI thinning. 
but then we'll see. CGI was, fitting in the yeah. late 80s? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, can right. you imagine? Yeah, yeah I love right. that. Even Lucas <laughs> didn't have that technology. <laughs> oh, can man. you imagine a low-budget movie like Above the Law, and they're like, in the 80s, <laughs> and yeah. someone's like, let, let, or we're going to use the most advanced computer technology to make it look like his hair is thinning. All right. It's for the character. Yeah, it's for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, I don't know. Was there anything sketchy about... Well, I think there was sketchy stuff about Seagal, well, which mean, didn't come out until a little bit later because of the internet. Because of the five album for one. Yeah, well, the Mi Wanda Punani. <laughs> Mi Wanda right? Punani. Yeah. Uh, have you heard that song? Steven Seagal has Steven a song. Steven Seagal has a song called Mi Wanda Punani. I need to hear yes, this you do. now. Yes, you yeah, do. We're going to play it after this. We'll play, we'll play it for you after this, all right? Yeah. No, Not on the podcast, because then we'll get demonetized. Me yes. wanda punane. <laughs> yeah. All right? Oh, God. Yes. I should thee not, Dre. It is, yeah. it is amazing. And, 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 and Lady Saw is on it with him. It's like that whole album, he's got like Stevie Wonder's on another song doing the harmonica. Like he's got some stars on that album. Yeah, yeah. Seagal killing it for a bit, you know. What I, mean? I, I, I might have told the story. I might have told the story on the podcast, and I digress. Oh um, but uh, I, I once heard a, a pretty badass Stevie Wonder story. Oh, please do from someone who uh, knew n- knows Stevie Wonder personally. I'm not going to say who it is. Um, in, wait, the, in the '80s, wait, I, I told you this story. Yeah. I told you the story. Uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, his son, you know, was very young at that time in the '80s, and his son was being obnoxious. I know you know him too, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but but this story, but but just so audience has full yeah. disclosure, this Stevie Wonder story I don't have from Dre or any of Dre's no, books. No, right? I didn't tell It's just that story. I know that Dre had met Stevie Wonder's son at some point, right? Yeah. Uh, but the story was uh, from this guy who knows Stevie Wonder very well that um, Stevie Wonder was at home. His son mm-hmm. was acting uh, a fool, as they say, right? Just being obnoxious, just jumping off the walls. And Stevie Wonder wanted I've- some peace and quiet. And yeah. then Stevie Wonder said, and I'm not going to do a Stevie Wonder impression here, uh-huh. um, you know, whatever his son's name. If you don't calm down, I'm going to shoot you like Marvin Gaye's dad shot Marvin Gaye. <laughs> oh, and, God. and when I heard that Stevie Wonder made that joke, yeah. it just made me love Stevie Wonder <laughs> so much more. That is the funniest thing. All right? right. That is the funniest thing oh. in the world, right? Yeah. Uh, especially at that time, because that was in the yeah. 80s when that was like still kind of yeah, new, right? Yeah, it was right? so fresh. Yeah, it was like that. Remember, that was it. There was no too yeah. soon after that. Yeah, I remember being in school hearing about that. Yeah. And yeah. just like, oh. So, uh, uh, so anyway, um, I, I think we didn't, I don't think any legit people really ignored stuff about Steven Seagal. Mm-hmm. It was just that when, during the heyday of his career, it was pre-internet. So, like, the stuff with him, like, you know, like, um, beating Kelly LeBrock would probably make it into some of the gossip rags, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be plastered all over, like, something called the internet. So I think it took a few years before people were like, oh, he's been shady for a while, <laughs> right? But I knew about the Kelly LeBrock thing because she ended up marrying Roger Moore's son for a bit. I don't know if they're still married. Uh-huh. Mm. You know, but, like, that was, like, a thing... At the time, you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't something, it wasn't like any career-ending shit for him. No, no, but the, you know, it's the 80s and 90s. None of that shit was career-ending right. for anyone. Right, yeah. You and then he was Sean mean? Connery. Yeah. yeah, Sean Connery. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, it's, 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 I think just because the internet is available now, we, we see all this stuff here. It's weird because, uh, I mean, people have their opinions about Aikido and stuff like that. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, Steven Seagal is 
kind of legit as they come in terms of the art of Aikido. I mean, oh, he yeah. had a dojo in Tokyo. He's the reason I trained Aikido. Yeah, he. I mean, if and and one thing I have to say. So this is me being very uh, complimentary to yeah. Sagal Sensei. Um, is that when he first came out, mm-hmm. um, what was great about Seagal's early films, especially Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Ooh. Mark for Death, is he was doing something different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no uh, and, and it, it wasn't better. Like, it wasn't like, oh, Van Damme's doing all the high kicks and spins. Uh-huh. We've seen that before because even Van Damme did that in his own way. Right. What, what made those guys unique is they did something different. They weren't like, Van Damme wasn't like a, like a Bruce Lee copy and Seagal mm-hmm. wasn't like a copy of Chuck Norris or something no. like that, right? What was cool is like he had the hand techniques. It was hard hitting. There was kind of like a, a, like oh, a, a cool flow to him, right? Yeah, lines. There was something cool. And I think, you know, whether it would have lasted as a trend for a while or not, what I really appreciate is that he did something visually different and yeah. cool. Um, and, you know, and he was someone with the legit chops of that style, whatever you, your feelings are on Aikido as a practical martial art or whatever, right? But uh, it just seems that as he got, you know, popular, became more Hollywood mm-hmm. and then started and then his career started to deteriorate and he started to get weird um, <laughs> that then like all oh, like him being like, you know, like like a Ru- like uh, a Russian citizen right. and all this like other weird stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, not that being a Russian citizen is weird, but like also like t- being Putin's boy, you know, and like yeah. and just all the weird stuff with like his reality show. And then in, and then, you know, and then. Culminating yeah, with me he was talking. Yeah, like a sheriff, right? Yeah. Yes, Steven Seagal, lawman. Yeah, yeah. He's All, a sheriff of some like yeah, obscure like town. Like it's like in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or some <laughs> shit. Like that. Right. Okay. And all culminating yeah. with me talking on the phone with him for five minutes yeah. on the, while I was on the toilet. Sifu Richter. That so is. anyway, I don't. I mean, what did we really ignore about Seagal? All right, let's go to the next one. So, what if you could transport back in time for a front row seat into the life and legacy of one of the most respected Wing Chun masters in history? Gong Sao Wang, a tribute, directs students on Sifu Wang Shilong offers you just that. Through a series of exclusive conversations, twenty-five direct students share anecdotes, reflections, and personal stories, offering in-depth understanding of the man behind the legend. Order your copy today across twelve Amazon marketplaces with free shipping. I absolutely. Absolutely love this book, and I think you'll find it an indispensable part of your collection. I can't recommend it enough. Get yours today. Go to Amazon, type in Gong Sao Wong, and there you go. This one you you probably love right here. Okay. Why Yip Man stopped teaching Bruce Lee? Opium addiction. Damn. That's the end of that video. Damn. Oh, let me guess. It's I'm gonna guess it's because Bruce wasn't pure Chinese. And Grandmaster Yip Man had faced so much pressure from all of his students mm-hmm. not to teach the mutt Bruce Lee, who is not a full-blood Chinese, so that's why he stopped teaching. Well, mm. this is absolute bullshit. Oh, this, is the, this is the, um, that's the Cliff Notes <laughs> version of the story. Okay. Um, well, I mean, first of all, it's, very, it's difficult to say exactly why people did or didn't do things. Quite, quite honestly, it's probably a combination of multiple factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, with especially with Chinese Kung Fu Sifus, when it comes to reasons why they do stuff, they're usually very close to the vest about why they make certain decisions. Mm. And they'll have their re- real reason and then they'll have their official reason to everyone else. Yeah. So the problem is that you have to be really careful with these things because having been... Uh, in my experience, uh, kind of on the ground floor with different sifus of different styles when they faced, let's say, a crisis in their mm-hmm. association, in their school, in their, with their health, whatever it is, 
they will make statements and the statement is for the public and there's a different story behind. So the problem is that sometimes people really latch on to the public story, especially if they're not close to the subject matter. And then they will say, well, that is it. And other people will know the real story and say, that is it. And, 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 um, you know, Bruce was not full blood Chinese. His mom was Eurasian. Uh, Grace mm-hmm. uh, um, was half, I believe now, you know, it used to be thought that she was like half German. But now, according to Matt Pauly's book, she's like half Dutch, perhaps half with some Jewish blood in there as well. Oh, right, all right. So Bruce was a quarter German or a quarter Dutch or one eighth this, one eighth that or whatever. One, approximately one fourth of Bruce was not full blood Chinese. Mm-hmm. And so this has often been propped up as the reason why Yip Man stopped teaching him, as if somehow Yip Man did not know this when he started. That's also the, that's that's also the weird thing too. It's like, wait a minute, all right? Hey, hey, hey! Because um, how did he slip through the cracks? Uh, Yip Man knew Bruce's father. They were buddies at the opium dens, all right, <laughs> which was very common at that time. Um, Yip Man would most likely know who. Uh, uh, Le Hoi Chun's wife was because she came from the uh, from a very prestigious family. See, uh, Le Hoi Chun, Bruce's father, was a Chinese opera actor. Um, and, quite famous. Uh, and quite famous, but that didn't mean that he was like uh, rich. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because uh, the, the be, being like a famous uh, uh, opera actor in China, I suppose, is like having the the number one kung fu podcast out of New York. <laughs> All right, it's it's, 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 like, it's like having a. Uh, it's 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 like having a trophy for being able to whisper yeah. the loudest, right? Oh, it's it's no. a uh, it's a dubious achievement <laughs> at best, right? So I mean, you know, within certain circles, yeah. you know, Lei Hoi Chun would be very well known within the sophisticated kind of you know bohemian peeps of mm-hmm. Hong Kong, right? But like, uh, I don't think he would have been mobbed walking down the street or something like that. And it wasn't like there was a crazy amount of money in that. Not like Mikey um, Dean, but. Uh, his wife, uh, uh, Grace, was from the Ho Tong family. Ho Tong. Uh, yeah, you say Ho Tong, someone sounds like, oh, it hurts a lot in Chinese, right? <laughs> ho is like a lot, and Tong is like, Ho Tong, like you say that when you get a massage, and like the lady like starts cranking on your oh, yeah. foot, and you're like, ah, Ho Tong, right? It's like, wow, right? uh, so, um, But that family was kind of, you would compare it to the Rockefellers here in New York. Okay. So uh, Bruce's mom came from money. And came from not just money, but also came from like class and sophistication. And then she fell in love with Le Hoi Chun, this kind of, you know, bohemian opera mm-hmm. uh, uh, star. And uh, also don't forget that in the 50s and 60s, Chinese opera and interest in Chinese opera, whether northern or Cantonese, uh, started to wane even in Hong Kong, even even in Hong Kong by the 60s. Chinese opera was starting to be kind of like something of the past. And that's why a lot of those uh, opera-trained actors like Jackie Chan and Sammo, they didn't didn't make a career in the opera, even though that's what they were trained in. They transitioned into being stuntmen because Mm -hmm. they had to pivot because there weren't really jobs for opera actors at that time. So that's why... Bruce's father also Bruce's father also started to pivot into like acting and stuff, right? But supposedly, uh, you know, Bruce's father, who also had an opium habit, very much like our late beloved grandmaster, were friends at the opium den or whatever. And then so it would be really difficult to believe that Grandmaster Yip Man didn't know that Lei Hoi Chun's wife was, you know, 
Grace was from the Hotong family. Uh-huh. It, 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 it would be very, I, I, I think it would, I would yeah. be surprised if that were the case. Hmm. Um, which also leads me to believe, although this is a, a, a weaker premise, that Yip Men would have known that she's also not full-blood Chinese. Like, I think that that would just be common, because at that time, that was stuff you talked about. Okay. All right? Like, oh, so-and-so is not fully Chinese. Oh. Like, that was, you know, that was like back in the day, if, if someone was adopted, it was stigmatized. Mm-hmm. If someone was not full-blooded Chinese, stigma, people got divorced, it was stigmatized, right? Wow. Um, so I find it very hard to believe that Bruce Lee would have began training Wing Chun. Mm-hmm. And Yip Man somehow wouldn't know that Bruce's mom was not full-blood Chinese. Yeah. I find it, div- it's not impossible. I'm not s- saying that as an absolute claim. I'm just saying it would, it, it would be somewhat improbable in my estimation hmm. that, that he didn't know about that. So this idea that, that Yip Man would then be teaching Bruce Lee for a little bit and then suddenly go, oh, but he is not full-blood <laughs> Chinese. How dare, how dare you try to learn our national arts, mm-hmm. you mutt. I will <laughs> oh, stop no. teaching you, but uh, go secretly learn from Wong Sung-Lung anyway. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there, there are problems with this. It's the commonly accepted narrative and I'm not going to say that an aspect of that didn't exist or that that wasn't given as a reason, all right? Because people believe it so much, it's so pervasive. <laughs> I, I believe that someone at that time said that, that that's why Bruce wasn't really learning. But what we know from Yip Man's history is that in the late 50s uh, into the early 60s, which is generally regarded as Yip Man's middle period, <laughs> uh, that is a time period where he started to really suffer a lot of the ill effects of his opium addiction, uh, perhaps somewhat pushed by his, um, uh, his, his lady friend, which no one liked, all right? Uh, oh. Because when Yip Man came to Hong Kong, he came, from what I can tell, without his wife, Miss, uh, Miss Zheng, Zheng Wing Singh was his wife's name. Zheng Wing uh, Singh. From what I understand, she did not come to Hong Kong. All right. Or if she did, it's, it's very difficult because you hear conflicting accounts. She came, she would visit from China, but she stayed back with the kids, even though they were adults at that time. Hmm. Uh, exactly. Did she die when he came to Hong Kong or shortly after? It's, it's very difficult. But the, needless to say, there were at least as far as I understand, there are no photos of Yip Man with Chen Wing Sing in Hong Kong. All right. I don't know the exact and perhaps. Stephen David Peterson might know better than me or whatever. But I, I, from what I understand, she did not come to Hong Kong. Okay. So Yip Man got a girlfriend while he was in Hong Kong. And okay. she was a uh, performer. This happens. She was a performer, I suppose. Although back then what she did, I, I suppose, would just dance and sing. But culturally, if you could compare the two, it would be like a Yip Man has a girlfriend who works at Ribby's. <laughs> Okay. Oh no. <laughs> right. Oh no. All right. I, I don't uh, know what place you're talking about. Yeah, you, you. I, I know you get that reference. <laughs> uh, so, what? so anyway, uh, what's that? She was considered a, a woman of kind of mm, lower moral standards, mm. and so the students did oh, not like man. her because, uh, according to to Tian Chi Man, because she was a stripper. 
Well, no, she wasn't a stripper. She was oh, like a dancer oh, and a singer like a, or like, you know, like an entertainer, perhaps okay. a woman of ill repute. It's Damn. difficult to say because whatever she was was stigmatized at that time. <laughs> oh, man. All right. OK. So it could be like she showed too much ankle on the street. OK. okay? I mean, like, so so I'm not going to say yeah. one thing or another. Right. right OK. Right. Uh, she was known as a Shanghai woman. All right. Uh. So uh, which is another nebulous definition for a woman of ill repute with an excellent reputation. Right. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, uh, the students didn't like her. And uh, Chen Chi Man told me not cause, cool. because Chen Chi Man met her. And I was like, oh, you met, you know, your Sifu's like girlfriend at the time. He's like, ah, oh. <laughs> like even like all these years later, his face is ah. scowling like he it. just. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like oh, when he was wow. like, he's like, oh, we did not like her. Mm. We thought she was um, like not taking uh, advantage. No, they, they thought she was not sophisticated enough to be with their Sifu. Like she was. She was a couple notches below. Like it's it's definitely wow. you could hear the like the little bit of a caste system going on. Uh-huh. She was a couple notches below that which she thought that you know, which they thought their Sifu should be dating. Mm. Um, mm. The other thing was he said she actually wasn't particularly kind or nice to Grandmaster Yip Man. So it wasn't like she was a she was someone of ill repute, but she was always like so lovey dovey to him, and like he was an old man. Of course, he's not gonna, you know, for, to have some young girl kind of like you know mm-hmm. telling mm-hmm. telling him how great he is. You know, is probably what he wants here. But she wasn't even that. She wow. wasn't like particularly nice to him. And they said she used a lot of, according to Chan, the Chanchi man, she used a lot of filthy words. <laughs> so I just imagine filth, this Florin, somewhat filth. like filth, florn, filth. God. Well, then, Bill, I didn't say filth, florn, filth. Um, instead of a Coke and shut the f*** up. Uh, so, so, so there were a lot of reasons why the students of Grandma Sheet Man did not like her. They just felt that she was kind of trash. Um, Yip Man ended up having a son with her, the uh, Yip Siwa. Though he later became, unfortunately, I think, uh, a bit of a drug addict. He passed away a number of years ago. Oh. He was the first of the three sons. He was the youngest of the three sons, the first of them to die. Wow. Yeah, and I believe Yipman had a sister who died a little earlier on. But uh, but anyway, that would be a sister, not, not his kids. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, his first son, or his youngest son was the first one to pass away. But he had a very hard life, and he didn't, he didn't do Wang Chun. Yeah. So, so anyway... Um, uh, Chan Chi Man told me that the students of Yip Man wrote a letter to Yip Man, basically saying like, uh, "Sivu, we we do not like this woman." Now you wow. have to imagine this letter is around uh, somewhere. No, I don't think so. No, the Yip someone Man, has Yip it. Man probably tossed it. Uh, doesn't want anyone to see this, especially he doesn't want his Crumbled girlfriend to see it. Yeah. Yip Man, she walks over and sees this letter from the students, like, "Yo, Sivu, you got to get rid yeah. of this chick, right?" Imagine, <laughs> right. No, no, that he thing, that thing probably, that. probably ended Torched up in some it. incense burner real quick, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and they basically said, like, hey, you got to get rid of her or we're not going to stick around, right? Wow. And then I was like, really? You basically gave your Sifu a hard line? First of all, you have to imagine in that time, it was still very traditional. Like the idea that you would tell your Sifu anything remotely related to their personal life, mm-hmm. that wasn't... It's not no. like now we have a, like everyone's yeah. like ah oh, Sifu whatever is yeah. very it's a very normal thing right, <laughs> right, right but right. but back then like you wouldn't it wouldn't be out of uh, um, out of the question that many students didn't know much about their Sifu's personal life where mm-hmm. they were from or their home life or even if they had kids or not like sometimes this stuff was all a secret right so the idea that they would write a letter to their Sifu and be like yo you got get rid of this chick wow. 
that shows you in that much more she traditional, much more conservative terrible. time period, that shows you how much they really didn't like her, right? What? She was not, she was not the, the well-liked girlfriend. Man. And then I asked Chanchi Man, I said, wait a minute, you gave him a hard line about like, you're all going to leave if he doesn't break up with her? And he, and he was like, yeah, we really didn't like her. And I go, did he break up with her? And they were like, no. I'm like, did you guys leave? And they're like, no. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, yeah. The Wing Chun was just yeah, too damn good, too right? Good. I mean, he is yeah. Yip Man after yeah. all, right? Oh, goodness. Uh, the stuff that, that people will, will go through. But during that time period, mm -hmm. uh, she supposedly exacerbated his opium addiction mm. and made it much worse. And that would be in the pocket of time that Bruce Lee started learning Wing Chun. Okay. So uh, there's another kind of deeper story that Yip Man was just not really in a position to be teaching a lot of the classes himself at that time. You know, let's say Bruce Lee rolls around by 1958 mm -hmm. in the Wing Chun school. So Yip Man had been teaching for eight years. So he has a number of senior students, including Wong Sun Leung, Sung, even I think Leung Sung may have even had his own school at that time. Um, so he was already like, um, you know, somewhat established with some seniors so he could hand over some of the classes. Yeah. Um, and so the reason why Bruce Lee ended up learning from Wong Sun Leung, a big part of that could be that Yip Man wasn't really available spiritually to mm. teach classes at that time. Okay. He was in a really bad position. According to uh, Sifu Leung Tang, uh, the story was that at some point, he had to overcome his opium addiction. And I, I've told this story before, very early in the podcast. And, um, and then he basically locked himself into a room with a, mm. with a mm. vomit bucket and a wall bag and uh, went cold turkey and would just vomit wow. in the wall bag. And when it was too much, he would punch the wall bag. And the story was... Even if this is apocryphal you said, wait, you or vomit in the wall bag? Yeah, no, so vomited in the bucket. So he vomited, he vomited <laughs> in the wall bag and, and then, then he punched, punched it. it. I've, oh, I've only had one, I've only had one coffee out. today. Well, you know what? I didn't mean to say that, but something like that scenario may very well could have happened, right? If he's trying to kick it cold turkey at some oh, point, no. he's vomiting into the wall bag yeah, and punching and punch it, right? It. Okay. No, so the story was that he would hit the wall bag whenever things got a little too hard. Mm -hmm. And then after, you know. A Just weekend, a week, whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know, Yip Man emerges out of his room with bloody knuckles and free of his opium addiction, right? I don't know wow. how true that is because I do know from conversations I had with um, Sunny Tang, who's mm -hmm. a, a, a very high-ranking student of the late Moyet, that in the late uh, 60s, uh, which would be about 10 years after, the, 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 I think, the worst of Yip Man's opium problem, uh, 10 years after Bruce Lee was, was in Hong Kong, that uh, Yip Man carried around in his wallet on the top part. He had a, 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 I remember when Sonny Tang told me this, that was a very cool story. He said that Yip Man had a photo of Tang Sang at the top of his wallet. Okay. And uh, of course, at that time, Tang Sang was a very famous chief inspector of the police. And it was almost like having like the the PBA card yeah. or whatever, right? Okay. Uh, so if a cop pulls you over, uh -huh. you just go, hey, I'm with these guys, and then they tend yeah. to leave you alone, right? So I've never if, had any of those. If, according to Sonny Tang, that, you know, if Yip Man had gotten, gotten in trouble, perhaps for having opium on him or whatever, he would just need to show that. Mm -hmm. And that was in the late 60s <laughs> when, when Sonny Tang was learning from, uh, from, from Moyat. So it's, it's kind of one of those things like, 
Well, then I tend to not believe Yip Man got over his opium addiction in the late 50s if he still needed to carry a photo of Tang Sang in the late 60s. Mm. So it's possible mm. that he scaled back his opium addiction to a just a bad habit. Um, but the thing is, I don't really know because whenever you bring this up, uh, many of Yip Man's students clam up. Some of his students are open with it. Lang Tang is generally open with it. Other students are open with it others because of you know, very traditional kind of Confucian kind of ideas and bonds of their seafood. They don't even want to talk about it. Mm. It's unfortunate because um, it, it's an old attitude about drug use, uh, you know, being extremely stigmatized. Um, yeah, I mean, was it a good thing if Yip Man was like drug addled and addicted to opium? Absolutely not. Right. But is it something that we can discuss? Yes. All right. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't take this. away. It doesn't take away anything from the person to discuss these things. Like people go, "Why are you bringing this stuff up about Bruce Lee and the drug letters or whatever?" Because it happened. <laughs> All right. Like you're having an emotional response to it because you don't want it to be true, but yeah. it is true. And now this explains so much about, in the case of Bruce Lee, about his behavior, especially in the last year of his life. Mm. He had extremely erratic behavior. It explains a lot about his first collapse. It could potentially. Though I will not confirm it, explain something about his death, mm. right? Um, but for people who are real Bruce Lee fans, not just the people who like watch Enter the Dragon, they're like, oh, I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. Like the people who know, like they can look at a photo of Bruce Lee in Hong Kong and be like, oh, that was at the premiere of A Fist of the Unicorn. Or yeah. oh, this was at the uh, Fist of Fury uh, premiere or whatever. Like, oh, this was when he was doing prep work for this movie or whatever, right? Like the fans who actually know shit about Bruce Lee, when they heard about it, they were like, oh, wow, that does explain a lot. Mm. When the super casual fanboys heard about it, like, why are you talking about these things, right? And for me, those <laughs> are like th those are like the Yip Man students who don't want to admit what what very clearly was the case, right? Um, does it take away anything from Yip Man that he had a very common addiction at that time? No, um, and also it happened. Mm. All right, it, it doesn't. You, you, whatever you feel about it, it happened, mm. and so I think that the state of Yip Man because of this addiction, especially in the late 50s, early 60s, has something to say about who learned what and who was teaching at that time because he was not around. So would you rather say Bruce Lee wasn't really learning from Yip Man because his Sifu had an opium addiction and couldn't teach or because Bruce Lee wasn't pure blood Chinese? Damn. You start to, and you start to see... This is how the sausage of legends are made. Okay. All right. All right. What's the next clickbaity title we got Let's here? Let's go one into. More. Give me a good one. <laughs> the next one is what really happened when Steven Seagal fought Bruce Lee? This is the best one. It's not the best one. How so? Huh? Because you, you cannot talk about what really happened in a situation that never happened. No. <laughs> I okay. thought it did happen. Yeah. Mikey, so, so apparently. You told me it happened. You, you know told what? me you were there. Lay off the bourbon in the <laughs> mornings. All right? Bourbon. So supposedly, I, I, because I'm not, I'm, like, again, I don't follow all this crap on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But apparently in some interview somewhere, uh, Steven Seagal re remembered, uh, very much in the case of, like, Vic Moore, uh -huh. that he had met Bruce Lee. Or that he had an exchange with Bruce Lee or something like that, right? Steven and Seagal had to be, like... 12. It's possible, yeah. but I mean, Seagal, from what I understood, I was, from the, was, was, from, was from the L.A. area. <laughs> okay. So 
it's Wait, possible. Steven Seagal was from that area. I believe so, from L.A. Ah. So it's possible if he, if he was a young guy starting martial arts, mm-hmm. that he went to, you know, uh, Ed Parker's Long Beach tournament was a huge tournament. Okay. And every year they would have it and they would have all these karate practitioners practice and fight and all that kind of stuff. So if you were an up-and-coming martial arts guy, yeah. Uh, in Los Angeles, you probably went to Ed Parker's and, tournament. And Steven Seagal was pretty tall, probably at that. Well, I age. have no idea, but but that's not even my point. The right. the point is that if if you were in the martial arts world in yeah. Los Angeles, you probably went to the the, the Ed Parker tournament, mm-hmm. and then you would see some, you know, famous people there. And it's possible if you went there in the. Okay, so if you were, you know. In the martial arts L.A. scene, mm-hmm. you know, in the 60s and 70s, it's possible you went to a tournament, you saw Bruce Lee there. And very similar to, like, that story we heard about the, that guy, Edwin Rodriguez Pouchot, that guy from the Dominican Republic who claimed to have learned from Bruce Lee yeah. in the 60s. Yeah, All right. that's my dude. Yeah. When I love m- him. More than likely what happened is Bruce Lee visited the Dominican Republic with Junri in 1970, 1971. Very brief visit. And this kid... You know, it was it, Bruce Lee was tagging along June Reed's before. It's it's really at the height of Bruce Lee's career not working out in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So he's at the point now where June Reed's like, hey, you know, you were Cato a few years ago. Do you want to come and do a tour of the Dominican Republic with me to visit my taekwondo schools? And you can be like the guest of honor and I'll pay for you. So it's like this is like Bruce having to gig for a couple bucks. Oh, I love it. And so he goes to the Dominican Republic, you know, breaks a couple boards. He's there doing some testing and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, maybe some young kid sees yeah. him in the Dominican Republic and then moves to New York and fast forward 40 years later, I learned from Bruce Lee in the Dominican Republic, right? Yeah. So it's like often like there's a very thin thread of a connection. Mm-hmm. And over years, it's like a Leo Fong story about Bruce Lee. Over yeah. years, these things add, you know, they start adding fabric to this story, <laughs> right? So uh, I have a feeling if I'm being the most charitable to... Seagal Sensei. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Maybe he saw Bruce Lee in the, uh, somewhere, you know, like at a Ed Parker tournament or something like okay. that. And then this story Maybe later becomes something else. Fight? Or he well, fought I, him. well, I don't know because I don't know what the story is. Man. I just know if that had happened. Yeah. Okay. Then we would have known about it way in advance. Because when Steven Seagal first came out on the scene with, you know, uh, above hard the law or hard to kill, right? Yeah. What marketing team wouldn't promote him as the guy who beat Bruce Lee at a tournament? Right. If that happened, right? Yeah. But now, but see, so the thing is, you have to just think of it logically. Like now, these stories happened, and there's Kept no one, there's, there's no one, time. there's no one ever around to see it. Mm. You know what I mean? And 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 so it, it's like uh, how. Uh, but but they swear that the story was true. And you're like, where was this story 40 years ago? It's like Vic Moore and all of his fantasies about fighting Bruce Lee when everyone saw him not be able to stop one of Bruce Lee's hits from a mile away. And then what? And then later in the fight was everyone who was there? There's no one ever there. And these stories are never told in a way that real history is always told. It's always it's always told in in this very kind of retroactive <laughs> kind of that way. Potato, that potato lens potato quality. Potato lens quality, yeah. right? Show, All right. So, shows the real. So this is my this is my challenge to uh, KFG podcast yeah. uh, listeners. All right. So we reviewed a couple a couple of these here. Let me right. let me take a look at these. All right. So we talked about Shannon Lee bringing uh-huh. life to Bruce Lee. Oh we yeah. We talked about Bruce Lee fighting a Goju Ryu you gotta, master. You gotta love Shannon Lee, though. All right. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm let's let's make a poll. All right. Oh. I'm gonna make Andrew work a little bit, so he's gonna have to put these on the screen. <laughs> all right. 
<laughs> okay, I want the KFG audience to vote on which one of these mm -hmm. subjects mm -hmm. should I do a video on? Now, mind you, I didn't watch any of these videos, so I don't know what he talked about. So if I if I went on any tangents, I didn't mean to, you know, uh, malalign any of his videos no, here, right? Not really. But you, you give me like the ones you let's say the 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 top two or the top three that everyone likes. I'll research the topic. I'll watch the video. Yeah. See if there's anything there. Re do my own research, and then I will do my own clickbait video with a totally clickbaity thumbnail. Yeah. You know, like. The, the real story about when Bolo punched Bruce Lee, right? <laughs> like whatever his thumbnail is, I'll go the realer story, the right? The realer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So here we go. We're going to vote. You can put in the comments below. All right. Put the number. Okay. I'll say the number, the story, and then you can just put the number in the comment mm -hmm. below, right? All right. Number one topic. Shannon Lee brings Bruce Lee back to life with new biopic. All right, you want me to talk about that? That's number one. That's number one. Number two, what really happened when Bruce Lee fought the Goju guy? All right, that's number two. Uh, number three, Mason Lee training for five years to be just like Bruce Lee. I think that's the one I want. Uh, I think no. Um, <laughs> number four, what really happened when a store clerk annoyed Bruce Lee? That's oh, the one wait. I want. No, yeah, the, the bodega. You're right. All right, yeah, the bodega downstairs, bodega. right? Yeah. Uh, okay, number five, Bruce Lee never wanted anyone to see this real fight. Mm, I wonder uh, which real Number fight. six, ever wonder why Bolo punched Bruce Lee? I, I have been it's wondering, great, especially great lately, title. I've been wondering about that. When we met him, I was wondering that. All right, I number seven, ask him. sketchy things about Steven Seagal that we all ignored. Yeah, I'll no. make that one seven thing. I'll make it eight things about Steven Seagal that we didn't ignore. <laughs> we didn't. All right. Uh, okay. Number eight. Why Yip Man stopped teaching Bruce Lee. Mm. Okay. And now mm. finally, number nine. What really happened when Steven Seagal fought Bruce Lee? Okay. So you have nine options. Give me. Okay. I'll, I'll take the top two and I'll make my own like six minute long clickbait bullshit video. Word. I want to make a, a my own uh, uh, a new playlist called KFG's Clickbait Bullshit, <laughs> and I'll just make I'll <laughs> just make great. videos like that. All right, Click cool. Well, hey, that's, that's all I gotta say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. And if you have any ideas for an episode, go ahead and put those in the comments below. And I see you laughing, Mikey. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? Oh, we got clap. oh sorry, we got to do the clap. Yeah, right, well, one, you have the clap, remember? Two. No, you've got the clap, Dre. All right, Dre, ready? One, two, two three, three, clap. Dre has the clap. All right. Let's wait for the siren to go by. Oh, you just went to see if they're coming to pick you up. Have you noticed he does look a little no, like, a, a like a like a cat burglar? It's a fire. He does. You know or he's I mean? a turd burglar. Yeah, All right, you, you ready? Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> Stealing turds out the toilet. Yeah, let's go with that, Dre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey. All right. I don't care how good someone's f***ing was and how good someone's connection <laughs> with the ground was. Who's walking back there? Is that Nicole? No, that wasn't me walking through. I know not to come to the crib.
Okay, all right. All right. We are recording a podcast. Okay. I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also here for hearing you walking in the background during my podcast. Yeah, I, I, know, I know you want to be in the, the star of the show with this one, but not this one. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu G. Oh, Jesus. Great. We got to finish here, all right? Lots of bolo punching, Bronson Lee. Lots Bronson of the, 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 the CG Bronson Lee. <laughs> Bronson Lee. All right. Don't say Bronson Lee, Dre. Yes, Bronson Lee was a, was a character played by Tadashi Yamashita. Yeah. I'd love to see Dre say Tadashi Yamashita. <laughs> I would love to see that, too. <laughs> All right, <laughs> All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be attacking Golden Bell's clickbait videos. Lots of gems. Lots of Bolo Young punching Bruce Lee. Lots of, did you know that Steven Seagal, no. No! Looking like Charles Brunson Lee. (laughs) All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be attacking the Golden Bell's clickbait videos. Okay, no. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the... What? 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 Why are you looking at me? I already told you what it was. What was the problem with that? There was no problem with that. No, there was no problem with that. I didn't say anything. Oh my god. Andrew, <laughs> play the tape back because he thinks I was making a face while he was doing that, and I want you to prove to him that I made no such face while he was doing his awful intro. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the what it wasn't it's not alcohol, is it? It's mushrooms. You're tripping. You're shrooming in the room, man. Yo, we we gotta get going here. <laughs> the genius will be attacking Golden Bell training. Clickbait videos. Titles. Titles. Damn it, dude. Damn, dude. The genius will be attacking Golden Bell training clickbait. Bing dong. Come on, man. I'm I'm doing Golden Bell training's clickbait videos. Golden Bell training's clickbait titles. Lots of gems. Lots of Bolo Yearn punching Bruce Lee. Lots of... Did you know... Wait, what the... What the hell? Did you know... Steven Seagal had CGI'd up on his hairline. The genius will be attacking Golden Bell's training titles. No, not that's not the one. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be attacking Golden Bell training clickbaity titles. Lots of gems. Lots of Bolo Young punching Bruce Lee. Lots of, did you know... Stephen Seagal's hairline was CGI'd in Above the Law. Lots of gems. No, wait. What? No! 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 You got it right and then you repeated lots of gems. Who does that? You do that. Why? Oh, my God. I mean, it was also not really like kind of. Come on. It was kind of Come in the, jaw, the hat jaws of defeat, too. We kind of just letting that one slide. No. Let's be honest. Come on, that was legit. We are letting that, that one was slide. CGIE. CGI. Come on, I flipped that CGIE. Okay, we'll let it go. We'll let it Come go. On, yeah, line-y. We, have, we are 100% on. letting that one slide. You know why? Because that is the perfect intro to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the, the energy of this episode, all right? <laughs>